With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Gamer Heroes episode 22. I am Derek. I've got my co-host John on the line. Hello, welcome back. How you doing, man? Good, good. I'm I'm ready to talk some games. Well, I think the first thing we should talk about is all the stuff we've bought so far in the summer in the summer Steam sale. Because I know I've bought some stuff. I know I will probably get a couple more games before it ends on July 5th. But what did you get? Well, I have unfortunately been splurging, but the deals are so hot. And if you guys seriously, if you're a PC gamer and you haven't checked it out, go check it out now. <laughs> I bought Dead Space, Dead Space 2, Doom, Half-Life 2, Half-Life, <laughs> Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2. <laughs> you're just buying all the bundles, man. You're just getting all the bundles. I am. When when they're $8 or $13 or, or uh, $19.99, you just do it. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that your full list? Did you get more? I have a few more, but they're not as exciting. They're kind of smaller, oh, okay. smaller games. Right. So I've only bought a few so far. I, I did buy both Left 4 Dead's. Uh, because they were a buck forty nine a piece. Exactly. <laughs> um, I picked up Super Hot uh, for fifteen bucks, which um, I actually played a little bit. It's not quite what I thought it was. It's not like a straight first person shooter. It's more of like a a puzzle first person shooter. But we can talk about that another time. Um, I picked up Roller Coaster Tycoon Deluxe because I love <laughs> building nice. simulations for two dollars and three cents. And then I picked up uh, This War of Mine along with both of the DLC packs, and that was the most expensive uh, outside of Super Hot. Um, but I got all that for under $30, so, you know, pretty excited. I'll probably pick up something else, maybe Doom. Doom was on my list. Um, Near Automata was on my list. That's 30% off, I think, or, or how about, something like that. How 40. about uh, Hello Night? Did you buy Hello Night? I didn't. Hello it's Night? on my wish list. Um, I might. I might pick it up. I'm not sure. Well, guys, if you haven't heard of Hello Night, it's a... Um, it's a platformer. It's very interesting. It, it's it's very stylistic. It's very much like um, that one PS4 game that came out that was all in shadow. Very similar to that. Um, okay. I'm trying very, to think which one that yeah, is. But. So far, the reviews have been phenomenal. So um, I would say, you know, if you guys want to pick up a nice platformer, um, I would say recommend. I recommend Hollow Knight. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll pick up some more games. Uh, the sale ends on July 5th. Um, but at the same time, I did want to mention Best Buy is doing a, an interesting promotion for console games. Um, it's only 11 different games, but if you pre-order the, one of these 11 games and you buy it, you get 10 bucks back in Best Buy reward points. Oh, that's not, that's not bad at all. So if you're a Gamer Club member, you also get 20% off pre-orders. So, you know, you got a $60 game, you got 20% off of that, so that brings you down to 48 and then you'll get $10 back after that. So you'll basically, you're basically saving $22 bucks, um, on, a bait, on a regular game. So that's it's got some good titles, you know. Uh, for example, Assassin's Creed Origins, Call of Duty World War II, Far Cry 5, Star Wars Battlefront 2, as well as Super Mario Odyssey, um, South Park, The Fractured But Whole, Destiny 2 is also on the list. Um, FIFA 18, Madden 18, and then Middle Earth Shadow of War, uh, and NBA 2K 18. So, you know, a wide range. You got some sports, you've got multiplayer, you've got, um, exclusives and war movies and RPGs. So, you know, just something to, to be aware of. Sounds like something for everyone. 
Yeah, I pre-ordered. I, I picked up the Odyssey, South Park, and FIFA for Switch. So. Dude, I haven't played an Odyssey game. Gosh, I haven't played since Odyssey two, and that was when would I'm that? I'm talking Mario out? Odyssey, man. Okay, I'm sorry. I, th- I was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I went off on a tangent to a whole different planet. Um, well, you. you <laughs> I know we're talking Nintendo, but I for some reason was thinking the other Odyssey game. <laughs> It's all good. But Mario Odyssey good. looks amazing, and I, I dream of the day we can play cooperative uh, and stream it on this show. <laughs> oh, I'm looking – I'm so excited for it, man. It's coming a couple months away. But uh, anyway, that's that's pretty much it for, like, cool salesy stuff that uh, is time-sensitive. Um, anything else in the news you want to hit on before we talk about our main topic? Um, Just a couple things. Uh. I haven't had a chance to pick it up because it comes out – I believe it came out or it does come out tomorrow. Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy um, has yes. been nailing the reviews. So uh, I looked at a screen comparison between the PlayStation 1 version and the PS4. Holy crap. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> well, the graphics is – the difference is insane. And I Insane, sorry. Insane. Uh, <laughs> um, did, you, uh, did you pre-order it? I did not pre-order. I was just going to go pick it up at GameStop. Ah, okay. So I actually pre-ordered it. Um, so I'm I'm pretty stoked to pick that up from Best Buy tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. No, I I'm very excited for it, and um, I have been as soon as the as soon as they announced it, I was very excited because I haven't touched a Crash Bandicoot game, um, an original game since <laughs> I don't know 2098. I don't know one of those years. Um, I, I've probably played 10 minutes of Crash Bandicoot in my entire life because I didn't really have PlayStations until the PS4. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to actually well, get a chance to play I these. did play, I did, and this is, I don't know if you remember me saying this, but I did play Crash Bandicoot on Uncharted 4 as it was kind of oh. a side mission. And it was right. updated graphics. And I do you remember when I told you I did that and I said, wouldn't it be funny if they just made that into a game? Boom! Look right at that. There. <laughs> they Crazy. redid it. Yeah, if you guys, if you guys have played, if you're PlayStation fans and you've played the Uncharted series, there's a portion in Uncharted Four, the final one, the Thief's End, where um, his wife, Drake, Nathan Drake's wife, is challenging him to a game of um, Crash Bandicoot to see who gets the furthest in the stage, and you actually get to play it. It's pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah, I've I've never played any of those, so. Um, this is, this will be my first opportunity to play real Crash Bandicoot at, you know, dedicated time. So it'll be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be really good, man. Um, something I, I realized just before we actually got online here is tonight, uh, and we're, we're in the Midwest, so it's 11 PM for us. Uh, the Zelda Breath of the Wild DLC, the first part of it of two parts goes live. And I've barely finished half the game. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm less than that. (laughs) Um, Derek, tell them why you have not played any other game except for Minecraft this year. (laughs) That's not true. I've played um, played some other stuff, but I I have been playing a lot of Minecraft on my Switch. It's just very relaxing and kind of... uh, Cathartic's not quite the right word, but it's just, it's very relaxing to sit there and just mine ore for a couple of hours and not worry about everything else going on. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this DLC is already out and I mean, there's some cool stuff in here. You got the trial of the sword, uh, heroes path mode, which shows you on the map where you've been over the last 200 hours of playing. I'm interested in that. I think that's a really fun fun way to uh, go back and see if you can get some of the um, – what was that little guy if you find his – his? okay, I, I'm sorry. The, the Koroxy? The guy with the flower head, if you follow him. Nah, I have no idea what you're talking about. So there's a guy. He's like uh, – he, it's like a sunflower. It pops up in random parts of the map, and uh, if you follow it, his sunflower yeah, the, will the, pop the, the, the yeah. seeds. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah, yeah, that would be a fun way to go back and um, check those out. Oh, I've well, been since here. you need to get like nine hundred of them to 
exactly. fully beat the game. Um, there's also a hard mode, um, a travel medallion, there's a, more armor and some more Korok masks. So, you know, there's just uh, a lot of good stuff in the first DLC. So if you're out there and you've beat the game already, here's a good way to add more content to it. Uh, I, I will have to hold off a little bit. <laughs> but all right, man. So let's let's move on to our main topic here tonight, which uh, do you want to lead us into that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a really simple question that's kind of come up um in the community a lot, and we're actually really curious to, to know what um, what gamers think. And, of course, we're going to tell you what we think. We don't really care what uh, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> but people people have different reaction to this. So we're, today we want to discuss, um, I want to say, revamps or remastered versions of old consoles. So I, I call it impersonation retro gaming. <laughs> so, impersonation retro gaming. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I, so I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna kind of dive in there. In my personal opinion, we're talking about when a company like Nintendo, who has done this um, two times to us so far, will release a game, let's say the original Nintendo machine and a updated version of it, and sell it for a certain amount of money, but lock it lock it to the point where you're only able to play 30 games or something like that. Um, as you know, the news, people they people have lost their minds, but apparently Nintendo is also releasing the Super Nintendo Classic, which is coming September 29th, um, with an unle- unreleased version of Star Fox 2. Is yeah. that... Just the fact that it has an unreleased version of Star Fox 2, is that the only reason you're going to buy that system? What is your thoughts on on uh, impersonation retro gaming? All right, so I'm a huge Nintendo fanboy. For those who are new to the show or something like that, back long before we had this podcast network, uh, the Heroes Podcast Network, I actually wrote a weekly Nintendo column for a video game website, and Ooh. so I love Nintendo. And the NES Classic came out, and I looked at it, and I thought, you know, those are some cool games. I, I don't have all of them, all 30 of them. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to go and get this. This is a, a cool thing for people who are not hardcore gamers to get to share these types of old games with their friends or their kids to kind of relive their childhood and the games that they grew up with. I think it's a great way for parents to bond with their kids over the different generations of games, but that's not what it turned into. It turned into a cash grabbing opportunity for uh, second market, secondary market sellers, people buying, you know, five, 10, 15 of these and sell them on eBay and Amazon for instead of the $60 retail price for upwards of two fifty three hundred dollars um, And that, that really bothered me. And so I didn't even look, I never looked for one. I never tried to buy one. Don't even know if I was in a store that had one at any time. Didn't bother with it. Well, the secondary market is just ridiculous in my opinion because it's it, – you're basically – just because you probably have a contact, you're buying it up so no one else can get it for the sheer fear purpose of, of making a profit, which is ridiculous in my opinion. We should all have an well, equal chance. Let's look at this new one. So you got the Super Nintendo Classic. Now, this is a little more up my alley because I personally prefer the Super Nintendo to the original Nintendo. Just a preference thing. We can argue about that some other time. But um, having Star Fox 2 on there is a big draw, and I'll get to that. But this game went on pre-order in the United Kingdom, and uh, barely in the United States. I think Amazon had some. And it's already available... At, uh, on eBay, people flipping it for double the price, sometimes even as much as $300 again. Endless. And it doesn't come out till September 29th. So what that means is you didn't buy it and decide you didn't want it or you didn't uh, buy the wrong thing or someone got it for you as a gift and so you're returning the other one. It's none of that. Whatever, whatever bullshit reason you can come up with to why you're trying to flip it, that hasn't happened yet. You pre-ordered it. And immediately said, I can make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, and you're listening, and if you do that, don't do that. You're being a jackass. Because all <laughs> you're doing is you're stopping somebody who really does want it from being able to have it. That's all you're doing. 
And so um, this let's let's talk about Star Fox for a second here. So Nintendo is alive the way it is because of its first party titles, right? Um, there's a reason that they don't compete with the PlayStation and the Xbox and have not competed since probably the GameCube. Uh, the Wii and the Wii U, as well as the Switch, are complete departures from the way the video game industry is going from a hardware perspective. It's the games. It's Mario, it's Zelda, Metroid, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, F-Zero. And Star Fox is a franchise that is very polarizing. Some people truly love it, like I do. Other people think that it hasn't been good since the 64, which I think is probably fair. Um, and Star Fox 2 is a game that was essentially finished. This game was done. There was box art, uh, there were demos, there's, there were, there's beta software out there. This game was done, ready to be released, and Nintendo pulled the plug on it. So, so here's my question then. If they pull the plug and it never got released, what, what, where is it, what has it been doing just sitting around? Are the graphics going to be Super Nintendo or are they going to be HD? No, they're going to be Super Nintendo. Um, the reason the game was shelved is that this was going to be, and I quote, the Super Nintendo's swan song. This was going to be the final game released for the Super Nintendo before the 64. And because of that, it was 16-bit graphics, and it was lots of polygons to try and create 3D effects. And at the same time, uh, PlayStation and Sega we're being we're able to do significantly better things in the graphics department when it came to games and 3D rendering. It looked old, it looked shoddy, and it looked out of date compared to what was on the market at the time the game would have released. But as most big Nintendo fans have understood, it's never been about the graphics. You know, nobody's playing Mario Kart for realistic graphics as beautiful as the game is. What um, in are you saying? Mario Kart 8. <laughs> no, it's true though, right? And so for yeah. people like me, Star Fox 2 was just an opportunity to play a, a sequel to a game I loved with new features and enhancements. You know, for example, you could pick character, you could pick your, your character. There were, I think, eight playable characters or six playable characters, um, including a couple new ones. And you couldn't do that before. You were always Star Fox, and, you know, in the Star Fox 64 game, you were Star Fox, and, and things like that. So this was a cool opportunity to, to play somebody else. Um, but they, they shelved it because of how the game looked, and they didn't want to be embarrassed or draw any criticisms or comparisons between what was on the market and Star Fox 2. So they shelved it. And that was it. That was the end of it. Nobody had heard about it really since then. There's some ROMs that are floating around if you choose to play games that way. Um, as one guy decided to tell me that my interest in Star Fox 2 is misguided because he beat the game long ago. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, well, look, it's just, look, you, you do what you want if you find ROMs. I'm not going to hold any judgment here or turn anybody in, but I, I just don't do that, personally. And the game wasn't finished. What you're going to get here is a finished, completed version of the game, just like they did for the NES where they fixed glitches and typos and things of that nature. These are not straight ports. Um, but it's going to be hard to get this thing. You know, it's, uh, it's I believe it's going to be $80 USD. They say that they're making more of them. But again, it sold out instantly and immediately wound up on eBay. So you're going to have this type of issue again because people know that people want it. They're only producing it through the end of the year. So this is a collector's item. And the fact that it doesn't... <laughs> doesn't call itself a collector's item, I think is the problem here. It, it should be a collector's item, and it's marketed as a toy. And when you market something as a toy, people are going to expect to be able to get it. Well, Nintendo is notorious of... of so this is something I wanted to discuss be, uh, on top of... On top of... Um, like I said, creating a system, in my opinion, it's kind of gimmicky. You're, you're banking, like you said... You're banking that people – and don't don't get me wrong. The retro has boomed. The retro is coming back, and it's coming back strong. People are, are wanting that. People are, are interested in playing their their beloved games from the past. They, they really are. Like it's getting harder and harder to find those uh, retro duo systems. Um, mm -hmm. But Nintendo, given their history – they're having trouble even producing the Switch. How are they going to produce this machine on top of that 
and still keep up with demand. Like it's impossible for them. They're digging themselves a hole as far as a uh, manufacturer goes. It does seem a little frustrating given that part of their reason for cutting the NES classics production was that they, they needed those resources to focus on other things. Exactly. Which was some combination of the switch and the two DS XL uh, that comes out yeah, here shortly but, in, in July. But, but what is the justification for the, for this console now? I really don't know. Uh, it's a weird choice. I mean, it, it has fewer games. The NES had 30. This only has 21, um, which, of course, you know, the 21st game kind of being Star Fox 2. And it, it's got longer controller cables, which is nice, I guess. But it, it, it's a confusing de- decision here, basically because they, they already ran to, into this issue. So unless they're going to produce three, four, five times as many, which would be shocking to me, they're going right. to run into the same problem. And Nintendo has an opportunity here to make 2017 their best year in 20, 20 years, or best year since the launch of the Wii at a minimum, which was in uh, 06. So the best, you know, in the last decade. But the NES Classic and the SNES Classic are two opportunities for them to fail. You know, the, the 3DS is still holding very, very strong. Uh, the Switch is just blowing everybody's expectations out of the water. They've got the success in the mobile industry with Pokemon Go. And now this is happening. So I think it's just one more place where they can screw up. And they've already shown that they can screw this up. So I'm, I'm hoping that they'll surprise me. But if you're listening to this and you expect to get one of these, I would be very vigilant because I think you're going to uh, end up in a store looking for one, and they're not going to be there. Right, right. It's just, like, like you said, it's it's just baffling in my head that they are taking on more, and I don't really think they can handle it, honestly. They're taking on much, much more than they can handle. Um, they can't even keep up with the Switch, and the Switch is... It's the it's more demanded, and it's more money. So it's kind of one of those things, like priority comes money, right? Wouldn't you rather produce what well, is that's the thing money. the switch is the future people are buying games mostly first party games so what is the advantage so to selling a classic i don't know to, I, I, that's what i'm still trying to figure out let me ask you this so had they not done these re-releases um like like they did with the first first nintendo classic that you could not get your even getting even see one. I didn't even get to see one. I went in the day it launched, <laughs> and seriously, I went at the day it launched on Target. Literally, there was like two people that that uh, before me that got the last ones because they got very limited. Um, anyways, I never even seen it. But why are we why are we selling this the system, and then then turn around and saying we're not doing a um, on the Switch that is. Not the doing virtual, virtual console. console. So, do you think this is their way of like, well, we're giving you those games in an HD version, HD no, setting? No, I, I don't think that's what they're doing. I, so, everybody has to be careful about how how you look at Nintendo's motives. Everybody wants to put them in the same box as anybody who makes games. And the trick is that they have never thought the way anybody else has. There's a reason that they are who they are. Um, Going all the way back to the rivalry with, with Sega and Atari and things like that, Nintendo has always looked at the world through through Mario's hat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and <happy. laughs> it, that gives you a different perspective on things. So they're not selling this as a way to say, well, look, we're giving you retro games. That's not what they're doing. Somebody at Nintendo thought people would love this. It's nostalgia. It's our classics. It's our best of. Let's just give everybody our best of. It'll be easy for us to make uh, from a technical perspective, and people will just eat it up, and it'll be cheap. It'll be a toy, because that's the thing. Nintendo is toys, right? You know, the Xbox One X is this powerhouse of machine where they're hitting on teraflops and 4K and 60 frames per second and things that a casual gamer doesn't really care about. Um, And PlayStation's not that much different. The PS4 is 4K gaming and HDR and... Um, that's not Nintendo. Nintendo is, 
look at these bright neon color Joy-Cons and let's play ARMS with spring ARMS characters that are colorful and, you know, you can take it with you wherever you go or you can play this game where you shake up a champagne bottle and <laughs> everybody's like, wait a minute, doesn't that look like something not safe for work? And Nintendo's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they wanted to make some toys and they wanted to make some people happy and they just didn't didn't uh, really prepare for the, the the overwhelming response. With that said, if they had put all of their resources, all of their money, their time, their engineers, who worked on the NES and now the SNES classics, and put them just onto the virtual console and said, build the virtual console, and at a minimum, we got the same 51 games between these two classic consoles, we would still then, by the end of September, have a virtual console with 51 titles in it. I see, and that's that's my issue. Is you, you sell the NES ones at one ninety nine a pop, and that gets you to the normal retail price of the NES Classic. Um, and then I think the I think the SNES one was eighty. So you sell those for four dollars a pop, and you get back to the eighty. So there's your answer. But that's exactly my my. I know we're trying to put rationalizations, like you said, to Nintendo, who's a wild card essentially, but. Yeah, it's like I, I you guys could still make this money, you know, with a virtual console. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm going at, with it. Um but yeah, and yeah. I think that's the thing. We would, I think most people would prefer a virtual console because that that is the future. I want to take my games with me. That's why I have the Switch, that's why I had a 3DS. Right. Um So and yeah. Something I want to touch on. So like I, I said multiple times before I started on my spiel that we we've gotten mixed reviews. Derek posted something in a gamer group um, explaining how he is excited for this. I will not I will not give any names, but I will give you a number <laughs> of people were extremely pissed about this. Um, <laughs> so so. If you guys are listening, and I, I want you to comment, do you think this is a good thing or bad? And just you can do one word. You can say yes. You can say no. Um, I just want to know what what people think. Is this is the is this um, something you guys want? You're gonna buy. You're looking forward to it, or is it something you just want to complete your collection for? I think that was a very good point you brought up there, Derek. Is um, you're gonna buy it because you want Star Fox, but in, in there's also like I don't know the other seventy percent of you that's like. Well, it's Nintendo, and I, I collect Nintendo shit, so I should probably have all Nintendo shit. And that is a big group. You're right. That's something that you know we need to keep in mind. There are people who just collect Nintendo consoles, and I'm not saying that I don't do that. I I, I don't. I'm not. I don't need to be a completionist when it comes to console collection. Uh, but I know there are people out there that do, and that's perfectly fine. I have no problem with that. Again, if you're buying the game for your, if you're buying this for yourself or for a family member or a friend, hey, all power to you. That's the point is to buy it for somebody you think is going to enjoy it. Um, and that's all that's really important. So if you, if, you do, if you do have an opinion about this, hit us up at Heroes Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or HeroesPodcast.com, and you can comment on the article there uh, that this podcast is in. Let us know what you think. Are, are you going to try and get one? Do you think it's a terrible idea? I do want to know. Um, now, Nintendo's not the only one who's taking advantage of this um, imitation retro gaming, this nostalgia gaming, and that is Sega. So before E3, I predicted that Sega was going to announce a new console. While I was wrong and Atari actually announced a brand new console, which is super weird, Sega <laughs> did officially announce Sega Forever, which is an effort for them to bring all of the Sega Genesis games to mobile devices, meaning smartphones and tablets, for free with ads. Uh, $2 a piece if you want to remove the ads. Now, this is an interesting move because I have never enjoyed playing a classic console game on a smartphone. I don't care how good the port was, the controls never worked for me. So, this this actually, it's, it's already available. Um, it started uh, last week. There's five games right now, Sonic the Hedgehog, Fantasy Star 2, Comic Zone, Kid Chameleon, and Altered Beast are all available. John, have you tried any of these yet? Not on my phone, but I own 
um, four of the f- four of the five uh, on this list. So, um, so they're, they're, are they good choices? Sonic is a classic. I prefer Sonic Two, but Sonic is a very good game. Um, Comic Zone. I will have to say is probably one of the most cutting edge games for its time. It is very different. It is very cool, but it is, um, I mean, it's, it's a little outdated now, but it's a very cool game. It's very stylistically cool. Kid Chameleon is fun. Um, it's, these are all, again, these are all platformer type games. So, you, you know, you're side scrolling, but, um, Altered Beast is in my personal opinion, boring is all get out i don't know why people like it it's kind of annoying it, it really is but i i have to agree with you on on cell phone like so i saw something the other day and i wanted i was actually going to bring this up um so like the problem i have is my thumb slides or i don't know if i'm tapping the right spot of the phone they actually created this suction cup joystick things you can put on your phone that actually work for those buttons really you know that I don't think I've seen those. They're actually really, really cool, and I haven't had a chance to buy them yet because I haven't had any reasons to buy it, but I think that's a game changer if they can master that to where where it feels comfortable. Like, like you know how they have those uh, rubber joy, Joy-Con grips that you bought from yeah. Amazon that are basically sure. shaped like a controller? Mm-hmm. Something like that for your mobile device but kind of goes over the screen would be a really smart idea. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I guess I guess so. Here's here's kind of my my take on this. Um, so Nintendo goes out and they make their little classics, and you you bring them home, you plug them into your TV, you're good to go. The controllers are essentially the same. I'm I'm sure that the the hardcore gamers out there will feel a difference. Um, <laughs> and uh, Sega decides, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to take our games from 1991. And throw them on the iPhone 7 and the Galaxy S8 and an iPad Pro. I feel like it's a bad idea because Why? now you're <laughs> because you're you're mixing modern state of the art technology with games that are outdated, that are old, um, that you're basically just throwing ports onto these other these other platforms. And this is something that I would expect ROM makers to do. Guys who want fan games and things like that, who, you know, want to be able to play their their games on every platform imaginable, get a, you know, Raspberry Pi running them or get this running on an iWatch. Um, I, I just, I think that it's a cheap move, especially since it's all ad supported and t- it's two bucks to get rid of the ads. Because at the end of the day, you're still playing this on a phone. You're playing this on your tablet, and I, I mean, they're, yeah, they're not they're not optimized for touchscreen devices, you know. Because when they were created, the only touchscreen devices were the highest end of phones, um, and I mean phone phones. I'm not even talking cell phones, you know, that had like you know semi touch buttons on etch a sketch style screens, <laughs> you know. These aren't touchscreen games, and when you go on your iPhone or in your Android phone, there's touchscreen games out there. There's touchscreen versions of tabletop games, and there's touchscreen versions of, you know, for example, Super Mario Run or Pokemon Go. You know, Pandemic is a great tabletop game that has an amazing app, just like Ticket to Ride. These games are played in a specific way because they're touchscreen. So you think you're thinking that this isn't going to work properly? Uh, well, I mean, you're, it's going to work, but you think it's not going to feel right. Um, as I think it's as... going to be a it's going to be a negative experience for most yeah. players. That's what I'm because asking. you're either going to have your your classic gamers who grew up with these games and now want to play them on their phone, and it's not going to work right for them because they're used to the controller, or it's going to be new gamers who never got to play the originals and are used to playing touch-enabled, uh, touch-designed, touch-focused games and apps on their devices. Because when you sit down on your couch and grab your DualShock or grab your Xbox controller or your Joy-Cons, you have an expectation in your head of what that is. But when you pull out your phone, when you're sitting you know, on the subway or something like that, you have a different set of expectations. If Sega wanted to do this, they should have done it in a similar way to how Nintendo did it, 
And they already did that, man. You have it. You have that Genesis with the, the built-in games, don't you? I do. I do. And they're so, releasing so, another version of that. That's even better. So tell me, why why would you not get that and instead pay two bucks a pop to get rid of ads on these games, which don't you can't use physical controls with? I, I personally, I I wouldn't do it personally. Um, I think it's cool. It's mobile, but. Um, Again, I'd have to try it out. I, I, I feel like for me the experience is I want to play a retro game and I want to play it on my retro controller and I want to feel retro. That's just how that goes. Um, yeah, I mean that's a really good point that you bring up there about the experience. The only thing I can think of why Sega would have went this route is because, number one, Sega's kind of they're, – they're small fish compared to Nintendo. And I, and I think they're even owned by Nintendo now at this point, aren't they? Uh, partially. Okay. Nintendo has partial ownership. I, I feel like they're trying to be a little different, and they're thinking, well, what's the best way we can maximize with the least amount of money? And going mobile, it's a lot less expensive to develop a mobile app than it is to develop a system and have it manufactured or to create a new console and have it manufactured and ported. So I'm thinking they're looking at this as like a cost-benefit analysis that's in this, fair in this particular situation is like they're like well we we don't have enough fan base to create a new console so we're not going to do that we don't know where we're going to put all these games so the best way to do that is probably create a mobile app mm -hmm. so that's yeah. that's really that's really my thinking um i think they realize that's where fair. they stand on the totem pole and it's definitely not with a console <laughs> um <laughs> I bought the console, the um, their retro version, because it, it still accepted old Sega cartridges, and I thought that was awesome and genius. And I started going to every vintage stock in Kansas City and looking to see if I found some of my old classic games to play. That was the only reason I bought it, is because it took cartridges. Well, that works, man. That's a big thing for me. Like, I feel like if they created a updated graphics like a um basically if the snes classic had everything it has that currently comes with it but with a cartridge slot that would be the perfect retro machine for me that's fair yeah i get that well you get um, screwed out of it if you're someone who already has games <laughs> well that's the thing this is, has to be in addition to right so i've got my my nes already so this the classic would have to sit on top of it or something so I just picked up a retro duo, so I have the uh, I have a SNES classic, or excuse me, SNES <laughs> cartridge slot, and I have a just an NES cartridge slot. So that's really nice. Nice, nice. Uh, well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier that Atari did announce that they're coming back with a console. Say what? Um, it, this is so weird, man. So. It is. When we saw the first Blade Runner twenty forty nine trailers, and they had the big Atari sign. I was, I just, I'm like, oh, that's so great that they kept that in there. That's, that's awesome. I didn't really think anything of it, but now I think it's been this big ploy, this big, you know, because it's been like 30 years, and it's, I, they, they've come out and said it's going to be a, a very PC focused kind of console, which implies it'll be something like an Xbox um, instead of like a Switch or something, and that's all we really know. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say this is my. This is my post E3 prediction is that I think the Atari will announce what their new console is and have like some actual looks at it, not maybe everything, but we'll get to know about it right when the new Blade Runner comes out. Oh my god, why Blade Runner? Just curious. Because, because of that connection to that time period because they have, you know, the giant Atari uh, light up sign in the movie like they did in the original movie and it's it's kind of a cultural tie-in and I think that both Blade Runner and Atari are from a different era and if one's going to come back in 2017 then why why not the other? So let me ask you this. This is something I've been thinking about ever since they released this is I know they didn't have like the most the greatest games, but do you think they will have a virtual console or port? I think yes. I think if it is a PC kind of console, I think it will have an emulator built in to play classic Atari games. 
But I think this is going to be designed to play their their PC library. And it's a pretty big fucking library of games. So if they do this right, if it's good hardware, if it really has this, this emulation that I'm talking about or the ability just to play it natively, if it's Linux-based or something like that and they can run Steam, for example, um, this could be a real shake-up to the market that's been a fairly stable video game market for the last decade. You know, because for the last 10 or so years... You've had Microsoft and Sony going head-to-head every generation. This one's got a Blu-ray player, but this one's got <laughs> HD DVD, or this yeah. one's got 4K, 4K games. Well, this one also has 4K Blu-ray and 8 teraflops, right? Just back and forth trading punches. And we've got The Last of Us, but we have Halo. And then Nintendo's in the background with Mario power-ups and Smash Brothers and, and banana peels, um, throwing blue turtle shells everywhere. But Atari could come out of nowhere and create a weird niche where they can provide a PC experience in the living room, but also have this this library of classic games that a lot of people in the gaming community would love to get their hands on in a legitimate way. I I mean, I, I'm not sure what that consists of, but they apparently said this has been years in the making. So how long is that? That makes me wonder, is this something they've been working on for the past 12 years? Is it outdated? Is it is it going to keep up? Um, the most revolutionary system I can think of, you probably won't agree with me on it, is I actually think the Steam Box is genius. The Steam Box is genius. And it's a good idea. If I, I didn't just wasn't already implemented have, well. Well, if I already have a PS... If I didn't have a, a major console already... I would very, very much so be be interested in the Steam Box. So I think the big difference is Atari has a catalog because you know people have to remember Atari stopped making consoles, but they never left the industry. What was they've that? been the making Jaguar? The '96 Jaguar was the last one they did. <laughs> the Jaguar, I forgot about that thing. Yeah, um, it's in '96, I think. No, but I, it, Atari has this giant catalog of games. I mean. Hell, I, I, I bought one of their games on the Steam Summer Sale, you know? If they can put their whole catalog on this machine and then at the same time bring in other titles, you can find a really interesting market of people who can't afford a gaming machine, a gaming PC, and, you know, don't really fall into the Xbox or PlayStation line uh, because those are a bit of, of specifics. You know, you can't make everybody happy. Maybe Atari can find the middle ground. Hold on, hold on. Can you give me an example of Atari? Like, you know, I totally spaced out. This whole time I was thinking, like, Atari systems and old retro games. But you're 100% correct. Atari has been producing games for a really long time. And I didn't even think about that. So I'm looking up some of the the most popular Atari games. And apparently... Um, let's see here. The number one well, game is. Pitfall. I mean, they, they've got this they've got the roller. That yeah, Pitfall is a big one. They've got the whole roller coaster tycoon franchise, which is what I was alluding to. Um, I mean, they they they've got a lot of games. Um, you know, they they release stuff on other consoles. I mean, if you if you look at uh, just if we look at just PC stuff for a minute, um. They've got a bunch of different racing games. There's a Chronicles of Riddick game that they have that's out there. Alone in the Dark is out there. Yeah, they, they've got some some games that are not necessarily the biggest hits in the world, but they're out there. They're games that people have heard of. Uh, they've got a Ghostbusters game as well, and they've got them for different platforms. They've got stuff on Xbox Live and PSN and PC, of course. So this might be their opportunity. And when you say, like, how long has it been in development... I'd say probably three years. They've probably been working on this for three years, trying to decide where they fit into the market. And if that's the case, they might be able to release this thing out of nowhere, maybe in the spring of 2018, and be next year's big console after nobody bought the Xbox One X and everybody's already bought the Switch from the holidays. Wait six months, launch the Atari. You think so? You... I... 
I guess what, what what does it mean? I know we don't have we're very limited on details, but what does a PC based machine mean? Does that mean it's going to have PC parts? Is it going to run like yeah. the Steam Box through your PC? No, no, no. I think it's going to be more of like an Xbox, right? The Xbox yeah. runs Windows. It's a it's a PC architecture. I think that what that means is Atari is going to run something probably like a different version of Linux. It'd probably be a proprietary version of Linux, um, you know, which for you know for those who are not familiar, it's just a different operating system like Ubuntu or uh, Fedora and Red Hat are versions of Linux, and uh, Linux is open source, so they could do a custom version of Linux and run. I mean, Linux uh, like Ubuntu supports Steam. You can play Steam games on Linux, mm-hmm. so. Because of that architecture, that means all of their games can already run on that type of architecture. So that's the type of console I'm expecting this to be. Wow. So that's that's a real direct competition to Sony and Xbox. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's indirect competition. It's going to be a price point. It's going to have to come in at like $199 or $249 for people to even look at it. If it's higher than that, why would you pay more money than an Xbox or a PS4? Well... So that makes it very interesting, though, because the competition, as it currently sits, and I, I foresee the Switch being people who couldn't get the Switch this holiday season still going after the Switch next year. Um, that that well, right. puts in direct competition with the Switch. It, it does, but the Switch is going to have the edge because of the portability and the first-party Absolutely. titles. Absolutely. See, that, that's how you know, Nintendo's carved out their market. So Atari has to come in and be different. They have to provide a unique experience with their whole back catalog at a low price, $199, maybe $249, depending on what it ends up being. But when you push that margin, if you go or if you push that market, if you go up higher, no one's gonna pay for it. People will pay more for the Switch because it's portable and because that's how you play Mario and Metroid and Mar- and Smash Brothers, you know. You can't do it any other way. But Atari yeah. games are not that important yet, so this I'm is thinking that like what if what if they're already developing new uh, exclusive titles for it? Holy shit! And they might be. I mean, they they really might be, but we'll have to wait and see what they are because they they've been playing the long game. Then, if that's the case, because their catalog of recent games is not amazing. They put stuff out, but none of it is like. Hardcore stuff. I mean, honestly, the Roller Coaster Tycoon games are probably the highest profile <laughs> stuff they have. Oh gosh. Well, uh, I'm I'm very curious to see that. Like, like even till this day, we really don't actually know what the Switch is capable of. We actually don't really know what it can do. Like, there hasn't been a game that's really pushed it that hard. Yeah, and we're we're gonna see more of that as the year goes on. Uh, games kind of pushing it. I think so, I think Skyrim will might be the beginning of that in my personal opinion. If it can go without lagging because the uh when I first played Skyrim originally it was on the PlayStation 4 or excuse me PlayStation 3. Dude, the lag, the graphic uh we're talking graphic yeah. breakups were just terrible. It just couldn't handle it. So well, I that's wondered, why I got rid of it. I I had it for the 360 for the, and I got rid of it for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would literally it would shudder and it would it would cause graphical issues. Like I it just couldn't handle it. So I wonder I'm very curious to see how the Switch handles Skyrim. It'll be interesting. So as we get close here on time, I'm curious, um are there any games you're playing right now that uh is is new, something that you've picked up recently? Well, I picked up Hollow Knight, but I haven't played it yet. Okay. Um, so, and I picked up a bunch of, you know, my Steam classics that I, I haven't quite touched. So, how about okay. you? Besides Minecraft. Um, <laughs> besides Minecraft. No, uh, so I, I tried, uh, I'm trying Superhot a little bit, trying to yeah. get into that. It's pretty Tell cool. Tell me about Superhot. So, it's an interesting game. It, uh, it's a first-person shooter puzzle game, as I mentioned. Everything is white with black outlines, the gun is black, and the enemies are red. And it's all done in kind of like polygram kind of graphics. And uh, time only really moves when you move. So you have to kind of plan out your route and move in stutter steps Hmm. to get around, you know, so you don't get shot, you know, and things like that. It's, It's pretty interesting. 
I, I like it so far. My big focus with the 4th of July weekend here is to finish Gears of War t- uh, 4. Finally finish Gears of War 4 and get another Divine Beast in Legend uh, in uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. So Those are good goals. My goal is to at least touch Zelda because it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> Just to even touch it one time would be... Fair an- enough, man. But I'm not, you know, and also I'm doing some tabletop gaming uh, this holiday weekend too. Uh, having some people over, hopefully, you know, you can make it. Man, we're gonna play some Munchkin. I so. love Munchkin. We played Munchkin for the first time, uh, audience. If you're listening, um, for the first time a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. It's an awesome game. It's like D and D, but more fun and less less uh, less heartbreaking. Well, and uh, we've got a couple of expansion packs. We got the Cthulhu expansion pack, and then. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the other one, but it's got like the classic movie monsters like Frankenstein and That's cool. um, Dracula and stuff. So should be a good time. That's awesome, man. But I think that's going to be it for us, dude. We'll uh, we'll get back uh, next week and talk about something after the holiday break. Let's do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to hit us up at heroespodcast.com and at heroespodcast on all the social medias. Uh, don't forget to stop by iTunes and drop us a review. If you do, we'll give you a shout out. And when we reach 10 reviews, we will randomly select one of you to get a free console game. It'll be something cool. I promise. So go do that. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 